and welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other one's just along for the ride. We are joined by Noah. What a big dog. How's it going, man? Excited to be back. Been a little too long, but more the more the merrier here on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Uh, yeah, it's been, what, two, three months? I think we talked a little bit towards the end of the season before yeah. school started. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. The grind has been kicking all of our butts for sure, but we're here. Yeah, man. I mean, it's good to get a Thanksgiving break, spend time with the family, and uh, talk a little Rockies baseball. <laughs> yeah, let's just brighten that that holiday break a little bit, right? With, with oh, some yeah. Rockies talk. <laughs> uh, so baseball players are superstitious and have all these weird routines and traditions, but do you and your family have any Thanksgiving traditions that you guys do? I was just talking to one of my buddies about this yesterday. I think I, I don't think any that stick out, but we uh we like to go for that midday walk before getting food and then of course everyone kind of crashes down after dinner but i've got so many little siblings and cousins so they always are high energy and you can't really get much rest with them running around no it's a busy house yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's pretty much what ours is we don't have any traditions for thanksgiving it's just kind of hopefully you can show up and we're gonna watch the lions football Usually oh, yeah. it's been winning, so it's been a good thing lately. So, but uh, no real traditions for Thanksgiving. They're rolling. Yeah, yeah, they're exactly. Uh, so the offseason's here. It's kind of slow, but the Rockies made a move. By now, you've already heard that Cal Contrail is a Colorado Rocky. He's comes from the Guardians. Pretty good pickup. I kind of like it. The Rockies traded Cody Huff for him. Um, and designated for assignment, Tommy Doyle, who wasn't tendered. So he is officially a free agent out there. Rockies, I could possibly see him bringing him back like on a minor league deal. Uh, but we'll see where he goes. But Cal Contrell, how do you feel about this move just in general? Just when you hear the name Cal Contrell at joining the Rockies, like what kind of comes to mind with that? I uh, I'm I'm excited because I remember his time in San Diego. He was a little bothersome whenever we faced him, and he's a name that always seems to float around um, the league. Everyone knows who he is, even though I, it's weird because I think he's a pretty well-known name, but he's not considered elite. But you look at the numbers from in the past, um, and as Tyler did a great write-up for us uh, between 20 and 22. He had a 3.08 ERA, and that was the 15th best in Major League Baseball among starting pitchers who totaled 300 or more innings. And, I mean, when you need pitching like the Rockies do, anyone helps. And to get a guy like this for an affordable price, uh, I was pretty happy when I saw the notification that he was coming coming to the Rockies. Yeah, the the numbers, those 2020 to 2022 numbers are insane. <laughs> like, yeah. I everybody's gonna be happy about that he was he was sent to the guardians i don't know what trade it was he was was a padre it was the was the clevenger deal i think that sent yep. quantrell from the padres to the guardians i think yep mike clevenger deal yep so he's he's been a name he's been a hot button hot guy to have around um and i think there's the india the guardians my bad <laughs> cutting bait with him has everything to do with money which is super surprising i was reading an article i put it on our rundown uh that the revenue sharing of teams losing out on the regional cable networks 
is kicking their butt. They're going to be losing millions and millions of dollars. So their payroll is going to be cut quite a bit. And you kind of see that with like the Padres, for example, they're the biggest one because they're the one that MLB decide, Hey, we'll, we'll air all of your games on MLB TV uh, in the local area. We'll, we'll cover your, your cable loss. But now all these regional networks are leaving. There's like, I think 13 teams that don't have a regional network, uh, which they're losing. I think it's like 30 to 50 million a year on that. And so a lot of these teams aren't going to be spending as much. And I think Cal Contrell is one of those kind of have to cut your losses type things. He was only due $6.6 million, but coming off an injury plague season, got to find some way to save money. I believe that made the Guardians decision to DFA him pretty easy. And that's why I think Cody Huff, who... It was he. He's a ba- backup catcher. Is his is a ceiling. He's not going to do much more be, than being that backup guy. He might be able to stick around for four or five years in the majors with a bat, and he's going to be great defensively. You're going to hear about him, like Cody Huff. He can he can manage a rotation. So the Rockies giving up Cody Huff, who didn't make it past Fresno, like he was just working his way up for a Cal Quantrill type, kind of screams like the guardians were looking to get anything for this because they're going to cut bait with him. I mean, he was DFA. That's kind of how they got rid of him, but not being able to afford that $6 million because that regional thing, I think is a bigger picture type item. And I could be totally off the cup and losing my mind here, but I think there's something with that there. I would say, yeah, I think it definitely comes into the picture. I mean, I know just through some of the classes that I'm taking as I'm working in sports media that, television deals are such a massive part of a franchise earnings and the Rockies don't have it not announced what they're doing because their contract with AT&T Sportsnet uh, was up after the season. So that's going to be something to watch for, but yeah, the 6.6 million due to Quantrill, I think is the reason that they, they let him go. But I just think even after a down 2023, it's his the way that his arsenal should play at Coors Field: sinker, cutter, curveball, and a changeup. And he in 2023 he worked in a, a splitter. I think that <laughs> the Rockies have worked with Chichi Gonzalez in recent years. <laughs> Chase Anderson. This is this is a good upgrade. This is a good upgrade. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like. Chase Anderson, Chris Lexon, they're gone. And you got Cal Quantrill coming in, filling that spot. Like, granted, Tommy Doyle was on that starting five rotation, opening day rotation. So Cal kind of puts into that. So there still is a kind of a need for starting pitching. But I think, like, the Arsenal, there's something there. Like Billy Billy Schmidt and crew have kind of got me <laughs> like I, I know so it's like i almost trust them in making this kind of move with what they've been looking at uh so I, which is weird to say and there's gonna be people mad listening to me say that out loud but there's i'm almost trusting like this is a good move i mean yeah I, I completely agree i think bill schmidt he's been working his way up he's been slowly gaining the respect of the franchise i mean the Breidich barrier is really the last thing that you hear of Jeff Breidich right now. Yeah, but I think the the moves that he's made, the analytics department continues to expand as well. Uh, they hired a couple more people, but um, it's good to see the Rockies doing what they need to do to get back into relevancy, compete, 
uh, coming off the worst year in franchise history. Uh, I had to talk to an uncle yesterday. He asked how the Rockies did, and he, they were, he was <laughs> shocked when I told him that it was their first 100 lost season. But uh, he was like, I, I would have thought they would have lost done that a couple times. Oh. but So we had that, but it's good to not have that anymore. We, we took a step in the right direction, even though playing all the young guys last year seemed to be plan B because of all the injuries. I think that was a blessing in disguise. I mean, Brenton Doyle got to win a gold a gold glove. And we got Nolan Jones, consistent playing time, who should have been a Rookie of the Year finalist, but I could go on that for a long time. Yeah, um, exactly. The, I get that a lot for about the 100 loss season, too. It's kind of ridiculous that the Rockies have never lost it. And t- things are changing, just like uh, Cal Control's changeup. One of his kind of a hidden trick. Like, I hope he kind of throws out a little bit more coming into the season. Uh Seriously, this article by Tyler has all the details. If you need to go see it at BlakeStreetBanter.com. Um, it's what he, what he can do, what he can change. And adding Cal less than any free agent that they're going to bring to the, on to the table for $6 million and a Cody Huff, like, that's going to be cheaper than anything out on the market and probably just as high of a ceiling to it. So I really do like this move. I think we both give this a high grade. I'm probably giving it an A just because. Oh, yeah, I would as well. Like you're not giving up a lot, and there's such a high ceiling. Obviously, you got to be worried about the shoulder injury coming from 2023. I think he pitched what 90-ish innings last year, um, which is concerning when you're looking for innings eaters. But name any rotation in the in the league that doesn't have injury issues. That yeah. just adds a good high arm to kind of help with that. So I'm I'm excited for this. Yeah, and I think that with the Rockies, they're going to try to get Senza back and Herman back. Um, we were talking about it, and I think Herman can come back July. Maybe All-Star break is a realistic expectation, but the sooner that he can come back, I mean, he, I have his jersey. He's one of my favorite players, and we can talk jerseys a little bit later because I thought I saw that on the, uh, the document here, but um, I think that this is an absolute high upside, uh, little low risk signing, and the Rockies are a team that can do that. Coming off fifty nine wins, yeah, fifty nine wins, Jesus! Yeah. It's going to be another long season too. So whatever we can add to it to hopefully turn into more, why not? And let's see how this plays out. Obviously, the Rockies are still going to add. They have to add to the starting pitching. I, I don't know which way way they're going to go. They have a few in house options. None scream off the board like, hey, they are going to be for sure a stud. Um, there's a few names that we can probably talk on a later pod. But right now, it's they're going to add something through free agency or they're making a trade. Tyler Glass now is officially available. Do they trade for Tyler Glass now in his $25 million contract? I mean, that would be – obviously, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, even if uh, he's coming off a couple injuries – I think he, he's still one of the most respected pitchers in the whole sport. They're going to have a lot of suitors for him, and I don't know if the Rockies are going to be able to match the compensation that he will require. And there's an effect of I'm going to go to Coors Field, and I don't know. I, pitchers just don't want to pitch at Colorado because they don't know what it's going to do to their ERA, despite – so many pitchers that pitch for the Rockies and go have success elsewhere, like Yenzi Almonte, they always say Coors Field taught me how to pitch. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. It's 
there's a cloud over the Rockies for free agent pitchers, but a lot of guys actually like pitching for the Rockies in the way that it makes them think through the process of pitching. Yeah. You gotta be mentally tough. If you're going to do the hangover, the Coors effect yeah. piece there, it's who was it? I don't know where I heard it, but the Rockies just aren't going to overspend for starting pitching. That's like one thing Dick has pretty made pretty much clear. And I don't think Billy's really down that route either. They're not going to overpay for pitching. You want to come here? We're going to pay you market value. Just like anybody else, maybe a, give or take a little bit, but they're not going to completely overspend on arms to come to Colorado. Cause I mean, you don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know the mental toughness that goes with it. So really that, draft and development piece with pitching is a thing like Herman Marquez was developed by us wasn't drafted but he's developed Freeland Cincy you can go down the road Gomber ended up mm -hmm. figuring it out not yeah. one of our guys but I would say he's a solid three four starter anywhere in the league and he's doing his thing with his arsenal here too so I think that's it's gonna be interesting to see what they add they're not gonna add these big names is there any names that pop out to you? Tyler and I talked about the la last time, but any names that add that you kind of think? Uh, I'm not sure beyond what you and Tyler talked about in the last pod, but I just continuing your point on the Rockies drafting and developing guys. They, they have a recipe that in 2017, 2018, the, um, the uh, starting five that got them there was, uh, Marquez, it was Freeland, it was John Gray, it was Antonio Sensatella, and those guys were all, even if Marquez wasn't drafted by the Rockies, they were all developed, they were all built up through the Rockies farm, and I think that they had back-to-back postseason appearances first time in franchise history, so they have their recipe that they need to follow, and it's all about They've been drafting pitchers, super arm-heavy in the draft. It's just about getting them to the stage and development and avoiding injuries. The Rockies have, have been slammed with injuries in the minor league pitching. But I think sooner rather than later, the Rockies will have actually a good competition for their uh, the rotation. Yeah, and it's just there's some arms coming up, and it's it's going to be see, interesting to see how they do. They need at least eight or nine guys. They need, they need one – three two three four man to put in this in the starting rotation and then hopefully the other five or six start developing behind them um so before we get to our next topic let's uh let's talk about our daily controls player spotlight here i want to talk a little bit daily controls let's first shout our, our one sponsor thank you daily um Automation needs, they can travel anywhere. If you need something fixed, you need something figured out, they got you. They will travel to Hartford if you're listening from there. They will go to Denver. He's down in Mexico again for Thanksgiving. I actually feel terrible for him. Uh, so, But he is work. He works hard. He is very smart. So if you need, need some support in any automation things, whatever that means, go ahead and check out dailycontrolsllc.com and reach out to Mr. Daly over there. Um, but I want to spotlight Jimmy Heron, who... Sean Bouchard, if, again, if you're a listener all the time, th this is one guy that I've been high on. I think he's next on the list. He's the number five, number six outfielder. Um, so let's spotlight him a little bit, right? He was drafted third by the Cubs in 2018. And then he was literally traded a year later to the Rockies for cash in 2019. So I'm not sure what the Cubs didn't like in him. I'm not sure how that came about. But he's been in the Rocky system since 2019, uh, played – and Lancaster when they were actually an affiliate back then. So 
But last year, he really came on the scene. 296, 395, 498 slugging. Um, granted, PCL, inflation, all that. However, he is still a dog. 27 doubles, 19 homers, 83 RBIs. Strikeout rate, about 20%. 103 strikeouts and 539 plate appearances. He's kind of got this, again, Sean Bouchard, professional at bat. He's going to make you think, make you grind for whatever you're trying to get from him. Uh, he's not an easy out at the plate. He is one of the few at bats. I like to actually watch all <laughs> the pitches go through. He'll follow them off. He'll fight through it. Uh, but Jimmy Heron, I think he just needs to get a shout out. You're going to see his name during spring training. You're going to have everybody talking about him. You play all three positions in the outfield. So Jimmy Heron, look out for him. I do imagine he's on the plate to get called up as long as Jerks and Profar doesn't come back. That if there is an injury in that uh, outfield, Jimmy is next up. So I just want to give a shout out to Jimmy there. Um, next on our rundown is the 40 man ads. So this 40 rule five draft is coming up soon. Winter meetings are coming beginning of December. That's usually when they start doing it. The draft is right around there. I think it's like day one or day two of that. And the rule five is, is all pitchers. Again, go back and listen to the last few pods. They are evergreen pods. So like you're not missing on anything out like too late because time passed. Mm -hmm. um, the rule five is like, it's all pitchers. So the Rockies had to make some decisions. Um, obviously they added, you know, this by now, Yankee El Fernandez, Adele Amador, Angel Chavilli, and Juan Mejia. The biggest surprise here is Angel Chavilli. Uh, it's, not wasn't on a lot of radars. I don't think he he pitched for Hartford just towards the end of the last season when Spokane season ended. That's when he went up to Hartford, pitched three games up there, four innings. Um, I'm excited about him. I don't want to spend too much time because we got we got a guest coming on the pod, uh, Stephen Rice, who will just talk our ear off about each one of those guys. Um, but I guess maybe we talk about Yankee L and Amador real quick. Do you see any either one of them coming up in 2024? What do you think their kind of future is? Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure if either one of them will come up in 2024. But I mean, they both had very strong years. Uh, Fernandez uh, this past season played 117 games. He slashed 265, 313, 486. He totaled 25 home runs and 92 RBI. Um, the interesting part to me is I was looking through his numbers. Uh, he played at A ball, high A, and double A this past season. Um, and in A ball, there was only four games, 16 plate appearances, but 38% K rate, so a little high, but that's four games. So we won't even. And that was the very beginning of the season. The only reason he played down there is because Spokane was heading up to Vancouver and there was okay. some visa issues. So. Just oh. throw that, throw that oh, out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't even know that. So yeah, yeah. That, I mean, shouldn't even take that into account. Nope, throw that out the window. Uh, he spent uh, a, about half of his season then at a uh, high A, and he only had an eighteen percent uh, strikeout rate. And then he uh, he went to Double A and had about a thirty three percent strikeout rate. So still trying to figure it out. But the upside is there. I'm not sure we'll see him in 2024. Uh, he might just head up to Albuquerque, but uh, I don't know. Do you think Amador could end up with the Rockies this year? Amador is a good one. We we answered a friend, uh, uh, fan question last week. Like, 
do does Bay Rod get traded because Amador's next? Um, you also have Julio Carreras right behind him, who's on the forty man. Uh, it's Amador is only up this year if B Rod is no longer part of the team. I just there's too many his his back could play. I think his glove it's still it's still a work in progress at second base. He's been playing shortstop. He hasn't quite figured out what second base looked like. That is his future though. Um, but I'm sure he'll figure that out uh, sometime soon defensively. It's just, he's not on the, he's not on the, tra- um, Tovar track where, all right, you're my, our sorry, second baseman. You're here all year. He's, he's the guy like, all right, we got to figure out what we're doing with B-Rod. Is he staying around? Cause I think B-Rod's a free agent at the end of this 2024 season or he's arbitrations. I don't know. He's his contract, something up weird in 24, 25. So they have to make a decision with B-Rod before I think Amador gets up. Uh, even injuries, I think the Rockies are still throwing in like a Coco Montez, a Hunter Stovall, a Shunk, a Trejo. They're throwing them into second base before they are Amador. He's he is the future, so I think they're going to play him a little bit safer than okay. other guys. And he's not quite. I don't know. He's major league ready, but I just think there's something part part of his game, probably the power piece that needs to come along and then being injured all last year. I just don't think he's, he's not knocking on the door in April. He's knocking on the door in July. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the talk about B rod, it, <laughs> it brings back the trade rumors of, with, with him and Edward Cabrera um, that happened in the off season last year. And I mean, Edward Cabrera, the big time pitcher for the Marlins, but, uh, I don't know, just seeing who the Rockies have next up in that middle infield with Tovar and then whoever they give the call at second base. And the Rockies needing pitching depth, Edward Cabrera being one of the top young arms in the sport. Those trade rumors now, looking back, are like, man. But, I mean, we all, we also had super high expectations for B-Rod, and he he got hurt. So yeah. you, can't, you can't do anything about that. And that's the only thing. Like, there's no knock on B-Rod's game. Like, it's just injuries, and it sucks yeah. to say it. And so trading him now is not going to get a Cabrera-type return, which also stings a little bit. Uh, huge B-Rod fan, but there, it is that business side that he is that probably the best asset the Rockies have right now behind, like, maybe, like, a Jordan Becky and Gail Fernandez. Not that I like to trade prospects, being a prospect head myself. But he does have that biggest value to add that that name like do the race like want b-rod and a few other names for tyler glass now like Ooh, yeah is that something that we can re- come back to i mean we did throw him a bone last year when we picked a rule five guy for him um mr kelly and traded him to them for some cash so there is some talks there there's some a connection does mm-hmm. b-rod get moved in the winter meetings before the winter meetings for a pitcher who knows that <laughs> but, would be that'd be one of those like league reactions where the Rockies signed Chris Bryant if we got Glasnow and nobody like because I know there's gonna be 20 teams calling them oh yeah <laughs> and all the names that are connected to Glasnow I read a few articles before it's the Cubs it's the Dodgers it's the Yankees it's the Sox it's yeah. it's all the big dogs that are connected to Glasnow so we'll see and I think Glasnow is probably going to the Cubs they just have a deep farm system and mm-hmm. if they can bring in Glasnow and Otani like watch out mm-hmm. And because they signed Craig Council, like, yeah. like maybe we talk, talk a little bit about this. Like the, the Cubs are making moves to get Otani. Hey, Craig Council, highest paid manager. Let's come in here. We'll we'll get you. Uh, we'll, we'll add you on here. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I can't believe that 
Council went from the Brewers to the Cubs, and there's a whole bunch of new uh, managers and new places. But um, that one is easily the biggest headliner because it's wild. I mean, Council to me held the Brewers together. I don't think the Brewers have an overly talented roster to where they should have been making the postseason four out of the past five years or whatever their figure was. But I mean, since 2018, they have been, they made the NLCS that year and then lost to the Dodgers. They've been Mm -hmm. consistently up at the top of the national league because of the way their pitchers and back end bullpen plays. But a lot of that is how they're managed and their rest is. So I don't know. I think people are talking about the Cubs signing council enough. They're not talking enough about the potential downfall of the Brewers that could come this year. I think there's a huge downfall because you're looking Corbin Burns, uh, Woodruff, like they're hurt, they're out, they're gone. Yeah, like Craig Council can only manage so many band aids, and and I don't think there's a lot on the farm that's coming up to either. No. So, <laughs> and the lineup already wasn't really producing any, no. anything. They were winning games two to one the whole season. So yeah, so you heard it here first. The Brewers are <laughs> going to win or lose a hundred games next year. Yep. <laughs> <because> yep. <laughs> big move. Uh, so it's going to be interesting the Central, but that's a that's another pod. Um. So the rule five also, again, pitcher heavy, you'll see teams pass up. There's 30 teams that they all get a choice, right? But there's probably about 20 of them that will pick one guy. There'll be about 10 that pick two. And then there might be a random team that picks three. The MILB, though, that rule five draft, it's all the same pool players. Um, there's a diff- some different stipulation. Can't quite tell you what it is. Uh, they do not have to be, if it a player selected in the rule five minor league, parts they do not have to be on the triple a roster they can be at any part of the the system at any time so that's the one difference between milb and mlb and it happens right away right behind back to back um there are a few names that the rockies might lose they added these guys this past season uh would not be surprised if the three names let's start with that tanner gordon alec barger and van skoyak uh connor van skoyak those are the three names that are probably could be selected by a team uh, in the rule five. You could throw in Chris McMahon. I I don't think he's going to be selected by anybody. Victor Juarez is also rule five eligible, but he hasn't made it past high a still working on some things. So I don't think a team selects him. I think the one name is Tanner Gordon that could be selected that we just added from the brave system. He made it all the way up to triple a last year was pretty good in triple a. Uh, he's a six-round pick in 2019 by the Braves. He's 26 years old. Um, he's one that I would actually be concerned about being picked up by another team. Yeah. I uh, Looking at his figures, because I wasn't familiar with the name, um, they're impressive. So I can see why other teams would want him and why the Rockies would want him. And I, anytime that you can get a pitcher that – he, he's six foot five, two fifteen. That plays anywhere. That mm. coming down that high, that high of an arm slot. Um, he actually went to the school that I go to, IU Bloomington, which nice. I've just learned. So that's pretty. That's pretty cool. But yeah, super high upside guy, and he can throw a, a lot of innings. And he, I mean, he played with four different teams in 2023 because he went from the Braves to the Rockies. I think uh, he's a versatile guy. And like you said, very, there will be some draw to him. Yeah. He, 
so he pitched Albuquerque and Gwinnett were the triple A spots and Gwinnett in about the same amount of innings, same amount of games and Gwinnett, he had a nine twenty uh, RA nine, a 28 ERA and in Albuquerque PCL, we got to give some credit when they do four thirty one ERA. So that was at the end of the season. He pitched in Hartford for four games, 22 innings, um, had a five ninety six ERA in Hartford. So going to the PCL and posting that ERA, Big strikeout numbers, 34 strikeouts in uh, 31 innings, so a little bit over one. The walk rate, it's 10 uh, in those 31 innings. So it's give and take with that what it is. But he could be somebody that the Rockies are calling on. Like he's number six, number seven on the depth chart. I think he's like right around there with Jeff Criswell, right behind Carl Kaufman. He's he's next on that, that list. And obviously the Rockies like him because they traded for him. So – Tanner Gordon, he might be one name that you're all watching in the Rule 5 draft to be picked up by somebody else. Um, Alec Barger, fantastic Arizona Fall League, 0.98 ERA. Uh, big strikeout numbers, 13 strikeouts in nine innings, uh, but don't look at his 2023 stats. <laughs> they weren't very good even when he transferred over here. Um, and then Vince Goyak, he was high A. Uh, then he went to double A. He struggled at double A. He's a big body, like you said. Big body will play wherever he you kind of need him, but putting him on a MLB roster for an entire season isn't likely. Tanner Gordon is that one name I think the Rockies might have missed out on protecting. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. You don't need yeah. And I mean, looking through Lewis' article, which he wrote on Blake Street Banner, uh, the important offseason dates, the Rocky selections in the past, uh, 2022, Kevin Kelly, you mentioned him. He, we, got him and then immediately sent him to Tampa for cash considerations. Uh, and then 2020, we got Jordan Sheffield, who pitched in 2021 and 2022. I believe he was hurt in 2023, but didn't get any run. Yeah. And uh, the other guy listed here is Luis Perdomo in 2015, who we immediately traded to San Diego for cash. I just think that one's funny because uh, he was the one involved in the Nolan Arenado uh, rushing the mound um, brawl. I was with, not aware of that. Yeah, with Cargo uh, getting involved, and uh, I I remember watching that because there haven't there hasn't been a fight like that at Rockies games in <laughs> forever. And I mean, all you got was Bryce Harper calling us a poverty a poverty a franchise. Poverty whatever. Yeah, every single one of you. Yep. I mean, he wasn't wrong at the <laughs> but I hate, I still hate him for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so the Rule 5, it's a, it's fun. It's fun to talk about, but there's not a lot that happens. The very few position players actually get selected and do their thing. Uh, but guess what? We're joined by Stephen Rice. So Stephen Rice is on the stage. Ooh, I didn't know how that would look with three people. What up, oh, big dog? Yeah. What's up? Good morning. How you guys doing? Good morning to you. Yeah. yeah. This is awesome. Coast time. You are bright and early. <laughs> That's crazy. On the day before Thanksgiving, the I grind doesn't awesome. stop. Never, ever. You know what? This is what we're about here in Fresno. It doesn't matter if it's 6 a.m. It doesn't matter if it's 2 in the morning. We're still rocking it out. Great ideas. Enjoying life. Talking baseball. Can't go wrong. <laughs> Let's go. Awesome. Um, so this is your guys' first time meeting Noah. This is Steven. Steven, this is Noah. Um, nice to meet you, man. So Good to meet you, too. You were in the background there, so you kind of know what we're talking about. Uh, yeah. Rule 5 draft. We – we think Tanner Gordon is like the one Rocky that might be selected yeah. or anything like that. Um, but the Rockies protected Angel Chavilly and Juan Mejia. 
you've been on this pod saying Mejia is a dog. Uh, you've been on DMVR pod saying Chevilli is a dog. Uh, on the spot, maybe you can take off your Fresno broadcast hat and whatever you want. However you want to answer this, just let us know how you want to answer it. Who has the biggest upside? You know what? Right now, I think Juan Mejia does. You know, there's there's something to be said about a guy who has one of the most devastating sliders in the Rocky system. When you have a slider that has the movement, the downward movement that actually plays well at Coors Field, you're going to enjoy that a little bit more. You know, and I think Mejia, especially the past couple of years, his development has looked really, really good. And I think that's something that not a lot of people get a chance to see is Chavi is still young. I mean, they're both very young, but Mejia, he spent a year and a half, almost two years in Fresno before he got the call-ups. And ever since then, they've continued to move him in the right direction. He's learned how to grow as a player. He's learning to grow as a person. And this past year, especially now playing in you know, fall ball, it's allowed him to really get a chance to hone in on his craft a little bit more. And now I think adding him to the 40 man gives another element to what he can bring. And I think it shoots him up a little bit more while a guy like Chavi, we may not see for another two years, unfortunately, just because of his age. So right now, if you really need a guy who can come in and hammer down some innings, it's Juan Mejia. Mejia also, which is really interesting. He started as a middle relief or as a closer, then went to middle relief back to a closer role. So when you have a guy who can play in multiple facets, it looks really good. And that's something that the Rockies have done. I mean, you've looked at what they've done. They haven't been able to find a consistent guy in different spots, but if you can find a guy that can pitch in the six, okay, the next game, you can pitch in the ninth inning. That's invaluable. You can't go wrong with something like that. So right now, Juan Mejia, but either way, they're two big ads. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about Juan Mejia. He he yeah. was somebody I was super stoked that I got the call to Hartford just so I could watch him. Just smoke in. They're obviously not yeah. televised. There's something about him. I've said it multiple times, but he's yes. got a little swag about him. He got he kind of has the Fernando Rodney head hat tilt yes. with it, a little bit of an attitude with it too. But it's not like a it's the attitude that you want from that shutdown guy. It's you not know, the, I'm out here, I'm gonna be better than you just because I'm Juan Mejia. It's like no, I need to be this mindset, and I'm he, gonna. He that. wants that, that, but that's that's what he is. You know, a couple of years ago, we were facing San Jose, and Grant McRae was up, and Mejia strikes him out, and McRae kind of looks over, and they give a little banter to one another, and it was fun to watch. You know, it was it was one of those moments you're like, this is something that could be brewing down the line, and I think what makes it so amazing too is even though people don't think about this, it doesn't matter. Grant McRae was not added to the Giants' forty man roster. Juan Mejia was at that moment. Juan Mejia was the better player than Grant McRae. No matter what happens, no matter what Grant McRae wanted to say at that moment two years ago, Juan Mejia proved that he was the better player moving forward. Yeah, and his oh, he's gonna be so much fun. Does he? When you when do you imagine Juan Mejia makes the 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 call up in purple? Is it twenty five, twenty six? I want to say twenty five. I mean, give the guy another chance. I, I think what's tough is any guy who goes to Albuquerque, unless you're Hunter Goodman, any guy who goes to Albuquerque, it's a tough step, especially as a pitcher, um, just because the altitude changes. The PCL is a different beast in itself. I mean, we would know. We played there or we were in that league for a long time. So it's it's a different beast. That's the moment you'll realize real quickly if they're going to be called up quick. I think he starts the year in Hartford, maybe gets a chance in Albuquerque. But I think after that, 
uh, you'll see him really make big strides. I think Chavi is a 2026 kind of guy. So give a year of Juan Mejia, and then we get to see what AC gets to do up in Coors Field. I uh, I think one of the biggest things with Mejia that you just described that cannot be overlooked is the Swiss Army knife aspect, where you, you mentioned he can come in in the sixth, then the next day come in in the ninth and shut things down. That just immediately brought to mind for me Chris Russin, who in the 2018 season was our hero, the guy that got us there. Maybe it was 2017, but one of the postseason years. Every single night when he came in, whether it was the ninth for Bud Black or he pitched the fifth and sixth as the glue guy, he got the Rockies in winning position, and that's something that is so rare that, I mean, every team needs that, and that's why Juan Mejia should be a big ad for the Rockies. Juan Mejia, you know, had 46-plus appearances, led the team in appearances for the Grizzlies in 2022. So it's something to kind of look at long-term if the health-wise – I mean, it's always a worry with any pitcher, but, you know, with a guy who's able to pitch that many innings so many years in a row and so many games in a row – it's always worrisome, but at the same time, it also shows that if he can keep continuing to do this, you have a guy who can throw almost every single game and not worry about that. You like, you know, the arms, you know, seeing what like the St. Louis Cardinals did yesterday, adding a Lance Lynn to the rotation, adding these guys that have pitched all these innings at their age, you need guys like that. And so when you have a guy like Juan Mejia that can come in and throw those innings and throw those games, it's it's huge down the stretch because it doesn't matter if you're up 10. doesn't matter if you're uh, down 10. You know, if you can still pitch a guy just to eat up some innings, I don't think anyone's going to say no to something like that. And especially at the altitude in Denver, you know, the common availability is the best ability. Mm-hmm. So, and that rings true, especially in Denver, when guys' yeah. bodies are scientifically tested even more than in other areas. You know, and I think that's a huge thing too is that, Mejia is very big on staying healthy, getting his exercise in. It's something that people don't really think about when it comes to it. You really want to make sure that these guys are staying healthy. They are going through the ups and downs when it comes to it. But he's he's learning how to uh, do a great job when it comes to keeping his body healthy and working out, which is you know it's something that a lot of people don't realize is the conditioning aspect, especially in higher altitudes it's so so important yeah i absolutely and i was able to do a whole research project on the queerest field effect and what altitude does to the body and just the physics of baseball one question i do have about mejia uh while i was looking at his figures coming into the show today i mean the 13.2 strikeouts per nine last Mm -hmm. year across each level that he pitched at they jumped off the page to me he also had 4.9 walks per nine. Did you notice um, an improvement throughout the year in command or was it pretty steady? You know, so in 2022, you know, he was a kind of a, he was a guy that you looked at in, you know, both years where in his first year with us, he was, you know, he was like, all right, you might walk two guys. You're going to strike out three. Right. So, you know, you're okay with that. The next year when you saw the control actually get better, there was a point where I'm like, it's time for him to get called up. I mean, he's, He's shown enough on the control aspect to do it. But I think what was huge for him was his ability to locate the off-speed pitch. And now, you know, Baseball America just came out saying that he has the best slider in the Rocky system. And I think when all of a sudden you go from, in quotations, a mediocre middle relief guy that has no look to all of a sudden a 40-man guy that now has the best slider, 
it shows what he's capable of doing. And I mean, yeah, the walks are going to come. I mean, any relief pitcher has walk issues. Our world is Chapman is a perfect example. But at some point, if you can strike out guys, it doesn't matter if you walk three. If you can strike out three, look, you're out of the inning. It doesn't matter. No one scores. So it's something that I think is a huge thing down the line that if you have those strikeout numbers, it's good. But again, you're going to get tested at double A. You're going to get tested at triple A. And of course, you're going to get tested in the big league. So the numbers may go down a little bit. But again, he did not give up a lot of home runs as well either. That was something that was big when he was with us. We knew that he wasn't going to give up the long ball. And when he did, it was, he was beat on the fastball. It wasn't beat on an off-speed pitch. So long-term, that is something to kind of keep an eye on are the home run ratios, but also at the same time, too, uh, his contact. Yeah, the his his stuff is interesting. I, to your point, double A kind of kicked his butt a little bit, but yeah. it's going to. It's the end of the yeah. season. You're going to the tougher league, and you got these guys that are literally knocking on the door. Um, with that, he had nine walks and 15 hits in his 15 innings in Hartford, but yeah. he had the strikeouts to match, but it's figuring out that piece. Like, all right, yeah. how can I, what can I get away with? How can I spot this? How can I actually get these guys to maybe hit weak contact along with the big strikeouts using that big slider that goes with what watching him in Arizona was a lot of fun too. him. Case Williams. I mean, they were dogs down, you know, getting some innings in. And I think that's, when you see these guys after the long year that they have go down and go dominate in Arizona, it really shows that these guys are ready and they're built and the Rockies see something, you know, yeah. fall balls there to help guys improve, but it also is there to show who these guys really are. And you got to see it. I mean, you saw it on every single guy that was there. They dominate. Benny Montgomery had a great ACL, you know, and then you think about, you know, Sterling Thompson, these guys are amazing. Drew Romo. I mean, the list can go on and on of what they're capable of doing. So Juan Mejia, perfect ad. Again, we don't want to go away from AC. I said it a year ago, two years ago. This guy's for real. Yeah, it, it's he's a good arm to have. And the arm bar keeps getting a little bit stronger. There was somebody posting for, like, for the Rockies. I would say the arm bar is almost one of their top two, top three positions they have. They, like, they, they're pretty deep. They have a lot of young talent. Um, you have Victor Vodnik, you have, I mean, Riley Pint, hopefully he can figure it out. I mean, our boy Dukes, uh, Darnell, like there are I some names. Evan Justice too. Evan and Justice. Zach Agnos. Zach Agnos. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Too. Like, the, like the list keeps going and like yeah. each spot, there's another arm that kind of comes out. Like Juan yeah. Mejia had his breakout season this year. Uh, Victor Vodnik is going to be incredible. And so there's these arm bars. They're finding these guys that are going to produce and do their thing at the major league level hoping but black and crew actually give them their chance um and doing their yeah. thing but yeah. that could be a different conversation a different time um but so cody huff i got to talk i talked about cody huff a little bit earlier i really liked cody huff you got to hang out with him for a year you're yeah. plus down in fresno obviously traded for some arm some yeah. some cal quantrell uh pieces for the major league piece which is all in all a pretty good trade like you're trading yeah. a high like a low a catcher for a major league talent yeah arm with that to the side like cody huff will be a major leaguer he'll be a i think he's gonna be like his ceilings like a backup catcher is what i yep. mentioned earlier yep. um he'll be able to hold his own with the bat but he'll be great with the pitching staff uh just kind of what did the guardians get in cody huff and maybe some memories that you have with cody down in fresno 
Well, I want to make sure I put the stat in here. Both guys went to Stanford. So a Stanford on Stanford crime trade right there. So want to make sure we put that out there. But, you know, Cody Huff, as you said, I majorly catcher, uh, backup catcher is definitely where he's at. You don't get traded for a major leaguer if they don't think you're a major leaguer. So I think that's the first thing foremost. But Cody Huff is a leader. There's there's something about his leadership and his defensive skills that I think anyone's going to miss. But, you know, Cody Huff was a guy where he he talked when he needed to, but he he was a listener. This was a guy who was learning every single day. I remember talking to Michael Persecki uh, multiple times this year. Um, you know, had all these records for the Grizzlies this past year, was named an all-star at the end of the California League. And when you talk to Michael Persecki, he goes, I wouldn't be anywhere without Cody Huff. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what makes Cody Huff so good? Cody Huff just was in my brain the whole time. He knew what I wanted to throw, his game plan. Cody Huff was the only player this past year to read every single game note that I put out. He was the only player who was willing to learn the statistics that were given to the coaches. He was the only player who would go to our pitching coach, go to our manager and try to learn a game plan on every single player on every single team. This was a guy who was invested more than anyone else when it came to the pre prep for a game. When you lose a game planning strategist, it's tough. At the same time too, the guardians knew what they wanted. The, we had a guardian scout who was very popular in Fresno. He came to a lot of games this year and every single game, he was like, Cody Huff's just my favorite. He just, every little thing he does, Cody Huff, you know, a ground ball to second, he's breaking over to cover behind first base. He goes, no other guy does that at this level. And you're right. There is no other guy who does what Cody Huff does. He did things that the last time I saw guys do that was a Drew Romo, a Braxton Fulford. And that just shows the depth what the Rockies have. But at the same time, too, it also shows what the Guardians got. A guy who literally was in single A and you're picking him up who's doing things that the, you're going to learn in AAA in the big leagues. So Cody Huff, his ability to do all these things, to be able to work with all these different pitchers, to learn Spanish or to teach Spanish to people. Brian Betancourt learned so much because of uh, what Cody Huff was able to give him. And, you know, it's it's scary to think that the Rockies had all these in the system. But if you're telling me that we get a quality back-end starter for a guy like Cody Huff, what can we get for all these other guys that we have that could be trade pieces later on? You know, and so it's it stinks losing Cody Huff, but he was fun to talk to. Great interview, great stories. Big Stanford guy, Arizona. Um, his brother actually plays at Arizona. So keep an eye on his brother possibly getting drafted in the future too. And according to Cody and his dad, who's also a scout that this guy could be a big leaguer as well. So big baseball guy, big, big IQ has the baseball background, um, loves the game. Um, and he loves it. And you know, he just loves what he does. And I think that's, it's, it's tough to lose guys like that. Big memories to him. And, uh, you know, Cody Huff, we're, we're glad that you were here with us. Good luck in Cleveland at the same time, too. Uh, you're going to miss out when Colorado raises a World Series trophy. You know? <laughs> there we go. But, yeah, thank you, Cal, for that, right? No, no, yeah. ex- no low expectations. No expectations. <laughs> no, nothing at all. Could you imagine if we got it this year? That'd be insane. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> that'd be nice. Uh, but, like, to your point, I think Zach Agnos was – he was talking about how he was transitioning from a two-way player to just being a pitcher – 
yeah. and going through the scouting report and he, like he really relied on his catchers. I don't know if he necessarily said Huff's name yeah. straight out, but he definitely was referring to Huff and the rest of the crew yeah. back there. Um, just like just talking, working through the game plan and actually executing and trusting the game yeah. plan. I think that's kind of what Cody Huff helped Agnos do. So his what he provided, even though it's low A, like he's what, 22, 21 yeah, 22, years old? 22. Like he, he's still going to have a lasting effect on that. 100%, like he just helped 100%. Zach Agnos save leader in minor league baseball to understand what it means to be a pitcher. And like, that's what the Rockies, like, like you said, Braxton Romo, like Willie McIver to a point who's going to be knocking on yeah. the door. Like all these pitchers talk about these catchers. Like, yeah, I trust him like all the way through. And I, I could be wrong, um, but I'm not, I'm not going to be wrong twice because my catcher is going to put me in a good position to do that. And I, and I, and that I think may that's be a Jerry Weinstein tree thing there too. Well, and I think, I mean, when you have Jerry at, in your system and then you go through, I mean, Steve Solis in Fresno, former catcher, Robinson Cancel, who's in high A, former catcher. Yep. You think about all these guys who are in their system, who are former catchers, who are teaching you how to get better at every step. I mean, there. I don't think there's another minor league organization that has as many coaches in their system that were former catchers. I, 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 I if you can find one, let me know because there isn't one. Plain and simple. I mean, yeah, it's it's unbelievable to say that. And people always say this: catchers make the best managers. Cody Huff was already a manager in my mind when it came to his ability to lead. And to say that for a guy that's just getting his start in minor league baseball. It's huge, but it goes to your point too. The list of amount of good catchers that the Rockies have, and there's going to build even more and more. I mean, there's guys that they had to stockpile down in the ACL just because there wasn't room because of how quality there was. I mean, Jesus Ordonez, for Pete's sake, the guy can throw out any single guy that tries to steal on him, and he's a five-seven catcher that had to stay in the ACL and didn't go up until the injuries. Are you kidding me? That's <laughs> yeah, the, the, we haven't had a good catcher in years. Like the best catcher, it maybe is Eli, Elias Diaz or Gorvi Torialba. Like those are the catching prospects in Rockies history. Yeah, and so like you, you have these guys that are knocking on the door, and Drew Romo, like he's got he's got a little bit of pressure on him, and I think that yeah. kind of showed a little bit last year, but he figured it out. But like you are like the future catcher of the Colorado Rockies, and there is this kind of. <laughs> This little layer on your shoulders that we do expect you to be good and be the best one in history. Granted, it's not very hard to do that, but we expect you to be here five, six years producing as much as you possibly can, best that you can, and be in that Colorado Rockies catcher. And so I, I wonder if the Rockies started kind of looking at that because this last like five years or so, it's been a real turnaround in the catching prospect. Granted, they're all prospects. They haven't performed at the major league level, so that is what it is. But there is that talent, that depth, and that kind of trust that goes that that's in there. So it's gonna be exciting to see what Cody Huff does with the Guardians and see if like the Rockies really did know what they were doing with catchers, along with the rest of the crew. Um, go Noah. Yeah, I I was just gonna get in right at the end. I I mean, as you mentioned with the pat like the recent years catch, Rockies catchers. I remember Dom Nunez's first game. He launched a home run into the bullpen and it went like 400 feet in the air and 400 feet long. But I don't even know where did Dom Nunez end up? I I don't know. We'll get Mike on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dom Nunez. 
Alec, Colorado Rock, Elk Grove. I shouldn't use that. Just he was with it. the Pirates. November 6, 2023, Dom Nunez elected free agency, and it's the Indianapolis uh, Indians logo there. Oh, nice. So he's, and go. he was with the Cubs before that, so he's been bouncing around looking for the next contract. Uh, yeah. He, yeah, I forgot about Dom Nunez. Look at you <laughs> just dropping bombs there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's good. Um, so then recently the Fresno Grizzlies were bought out, yeah. which is usually a bad thing. Uh, this, <laughs> I think it's right. Diamond baseball holdings. They officially, yeah. they own the Albuquerque isotopes as well. That yes, was a mid season or late season purchase by diamond holdings. They also yeah. hold like, I think they're like 25, 26. There's 26. 26 total teams now. Yeah. Um, give what you can. Um, but not sure what this means for the minor league landscape. It doesn't look like they're changed. They didn't change your your squad. They didn't change the isotope squad. The whole entire staff is on. Yep. It's just the ownership changed. Yeah. What do you? What, what can you share with us? <laughs> with you know, your new employer. You know, let me tell you this though. When we got called in for a meeting um, to be told the changes, you know, it was <laughs> when you're told, "Hey, we're all going to have a meeting, and you have to be there." Can you imagine how nervous you'd get when it comes to something like that? And it just kind of gave me vibes from meetings that we've had in the past. And I'm going, okay, well, something big's about to be dropped, but like, what is it? Like, are we, are we changing, you know, a logo? Are we adding something like what's going on? And then they told us the news and everyone kind of just goes, are we out of a job kind of thing? And so we're kind of all sitting there and, um, you know, they told us right away that, you know, they're going to keep everybody. There's no changes with it. And so the really the only big difference with Diamond Baseball Holdings, and we're so thankful for DBH to be able to take a chance on the Grizzlies and see what we've been building here and want to continue to build on the momentum. Um, but really the only difference is whoever's going to sign our paycheck at the end of the day. You know, it's going to be a different name when it comes to that paycheck. Um, you know, we haven't seen any changes yet. There, of course, we haven't started a season with them yet, but – when you have an organization that has the ability to add so many teams in minor league baseball, it shows that they have something brewing and to be able to be selected to be their 26 member is pretty amazing because this is a team that, or this uh, diamond baseball holdings wants to add 50 teams. And when you're the 26 of them, that means that you're part of 50 teams that they trust and believe that can be a long-term stability piece for them and so be able to be put on that list is pretty amazing uh you know for us i think the long term is that they're going to be able to help us add more to our ballpark make the whole baseball experience better um but i think the big thing which is always a tough piece is you want to be more streamlined you know minor league baseball you know this it's it's a grind it's every day from 6 a.m to 3 4 a.m whatever it takes every day but if you can allow us to take a, you know, maybe a report at the end of the night that took us two hours to do, and you can make it an hour, an hour of sleep, an hour more with our loved ones, with the kid, as we see, you know, we want to be able to have that. And, you know, I think that's something that was big for our upper management was saying, hey, if we can streamline our corporate, streamline our ticket sales, streamline the end of day reports we're going to be a better organization overall because what we have in Fresno is unbelievable. You know what Johnny Bravo, what Julian Talai brings to our organization, you know, and that's just pieces that you've seen already. 
we have one of the best front offices in minor league baseball. We have one of the best groups of fans that allow us to be able to put on all these cool marketing events, allow us to have all these cool logos, the cool gear, you know, make sure you get this in the team store, want to show it off. Like it's, it's what we have and to be able to add a group that trusts us to it. It's amazing. But I also want to give a big shout out to our old ownership group from Michael Baker, Michael Moran, um, and everyone else over there too, you know, what they, you know, did for us over the past couple of years to put us from, you know, all the changes that we've had from the pandemic to go from triple A to single A from an affiliate change to keep us stable and to allow us to grow and be a better organization long-term and put us in this spot to be bought by DBH is unbelievable. So what they've done for us, uh, you know, a big thank you to them. Um, you know, Michael Baker, he's a Colorado guy. So yep. from Colorado. So, you know, for, for anyone who, you know, gets a chance to be able to, you know, see a guy who took a chance on a team that's not in Colorado, but is a part of a Rockies organization now, it's pretty amazing. So, you know, what they did for the letters that they wrote to me, to us in general, to keep us, you know, churning along and getting us better and better and putting us here, it's unbelievable. DBH is just another great step to Grizzlies baseball. The stability that we're going to have for years to come, it's awesome. And what you're going to see from Fresno Grizzlies baseball, from Chichancy Park, uh, Fresno Tacos, Low Riders, I mean, it's only going to get better and better. And, you know, we'll maybe see some changes in a year from now. So maybe the question a year from now, but for the time being, nothing changes. We're ecstatic to still be here. I'm ecstatic that nothing changes within our organization. And at the same time, too, uh, I hope that uh, more teams get added so we can build on what we have. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how that kind of whole thing works. Like, yeah, like it's it's. I love the fact that they didn't change anything up. I love the fact that they see something in you and the other twenty five teams. But it's gonna be interesting to see how they don't make everything the same. How they keep yeah. the uniqueness at Albuquerque, Fresno, and the other teams. They I think they own Nashville. I think might be one of them. They but they just, you know they they're all they over. love pieces that we all have. You know we're yeah. really good at the non baseball events as well. From Tequila Fest, which actually won a minor league baseball award, actually. So which is the amazing. Had a sweep, man. Did you see that? We swept. Yeah, we're the only organization to sweep, which is awesome. again what you know what we're all capable of doing and. Uh, everyone, you know, all the teams that they have from Iowa to Memphis, the people that are in my position, for instance, their broadcaster, their media relations guy, they're all baseball nuts. And so to be able to bounce ideas around with people makes my job easier, makes my job better. And I know that it's only going to get better. And we hope that these teams can add off these one-off pieces that we do at the same time too. We hope that we can, maybe add a little bit or figure out what maybe we can do better that maybe Albuquerque does really well. You know, what Iowa does well, what the Rome emperors, the penguins, I don't know what they are anymore do well. You know, it's, it's amazing to see and we're ecstatic to be part of DBH. Yeah. That Rome emperors brand was pretty sick. Pretty amazing. I liked, I liked what they did there. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, minor league is so fascinating to me. Like every, yeah. I, I love it. And I love all the experiences I have at all the ballparks and how everything's different, and all the different brands and all that kind of stuff. But like, it's a whole nother part of that behind the scenes. Like they're not part of the Rockies they are owned by somebody in town 
thrown by somebody else. They ran this yeah. way, that way. They are yeah. an organization along with the baseball team. The GM doesn't make trades. They run the team, the system, the yeah. stadium, all of that. It's, it's such a unique business, so to speak. It is. It? I mean, it's, it's unlike it's totally any weird. other business. It's, it really is. People don't really realize what minor league baseball is. And I think it's so funny when people go, Oh, so, you know, you work six months. So what do you do for the other six months? Like, do you have another job? Like, no, it, we're planning for 2024. I mean, literally once Thanksgiving break ends, I'm going to start writing my list of guys we're going to have on next year's team. Sorry, yeah. but that's what's going to happen. I mean, it's we got to prepare. We got to get ready for it. I mean, we're already starting our school initiatives for next year. We want to make sure that all the schools get to come check out Grizzlies baseball. You know, it's 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 a nonstop industry, and people don't realize, yeah, there's the Rule 5 draft, but now you have free agent signings. You have to build stuff before spring training starts. It's not just, oh, you get to relax for a couple months. There's no such thing as relax in baseball. Something's always going on, you know, it's, and that's, what's amazing about sports as a whole is, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe baseball slows down a little bit, but guess what? I'm going to go watch a bowl game with college football and mm -hmm. watch where these guys went to school, maybe learn a little bit more about maybe XYZ player was a two-star athlete for all we know, you know, we don't, you know, there's things that people don't realize that happen in minor league baseball. It's, it's, it's a beast unlike any other. Yeah. And you guys mentioned the sweep of awards that the Rockies got throughout the, uh, the multiple levels of the organization. I was lucky enough to, uh, I went on a East coast baseball trip, Yankee stadium, watch the Rockies play. Um, I, Nationals park, watch the Rockies play. And then we went to Hartford and I got to watch the yard goats play. That stadium's just as gorgeous as Nationals Park and Yankee Stadium, and it's way more comfortable than Fenway Park because Fenway Park, yeah. it's nice. It's just not very comfortable. Um, but the I have not been to Fresno, haven't been to Albuquerque, but watching you got time, you yeah, always got oh, time. Yeah. Watching the Yard Goats and the Double A affiliate of the Rockies, it it's beautiful there, and I really liked it. You know, it's it's something that I think it's crazy to think about because I I went to Grizzlies games when I was 12, 13 years old when my dad was a coach back in the day when Madison Bumgarner was coming through the Giants system when my dad was coaching there. And that was when I was 12 or 13. And the ballpark was beautiful then. And now to see all the changes that we have to our ballpark and the new field to the lights to those video board. It's an experience that I've never been a part of. And to say that we're single A baseball, I mean. We have, in my opinion, I mean, of course I'm biased, but I think we have the best minor league ballpark in all of minor league baseball, and we're a single-A team. And I think it's so funny to say that because we'll have these players come in and they go, wait, we're playing here? And then they have to go to, you know, Visalia or Modesto, and they go, what? You got – how – this doesn't match. And we're like, you're right. It doesn't match, but that's what we're capable of doing and you know adding more and more every year we have some changes that are coming up that we're adding to help the players for the upcoming season and let me tell you these players are going to be so spoiled <laughs> i'm kind of concerned that the rockies organization may become the most spoiled organization because of what they're going to get in fresno what they're going to get in spokane what they get in hartford what they're going to get in albuquerque yeah. before they get to course field up. No, <laughs> I think that's what's so sad about it. Yeah, <laughs> and Spokane's on. They're doing a whole bunch of renovations. That ballpark yeah. is gonna be sick in two, about twenty-seven. I think twenty-seven, twenty-six, twenty-seven. 
which is awesome. I mean, it's it's, gonna be fun. it's something that my you know that Major League Baseball wants all these minor league teams to do is to get to that point where every ballpark's beautiful, but at the same time too, when you already have the beautiful part of it and you only can add and get better, it's amazing. It's it's exactly what it is. So it's it's something that you know we're we're fortunate to have, and you know DBH long term is going to help us become bigger and better and. Um, they're baseball guys too. Peter uh, Freund, who's kind of our, he's the guy we've already kind of talked to over the phone, kind of like this. He uh, he's talked to our front office, and um, it's pretty amazing to see what uh, he's already said to us and what the long term is going to hold for us. And we just hope it's going to get bigger and better. And at the same time, too, we're going to still rock out what we do. And you know, it's it's funny because it doesn't change. I was really hoping then maybe they would make it mandatory for JB to grow a beard or something. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I don't know if we need that in our lives. <laughs> be- he's beautiful with the beard, though. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe there's a friendly friendly wager we put on in the uh, preseason pod there. But got to give a huge shout out. Like, you, you've been talking yourself up. But the fact that you guys went from AAA to single A with that revamp of the minor league systems, and been able to do what you've been doing. It's been fantastic. Yeah. I think you guys have at least been at the top of attendance, at least per game. I think your July 4th game is always like sold out. And it's always yep. one of the top five yeah. in the whole whole nation with games and minor league yeah. attendance. And I think your season numbers are pretty up there too. Like you and Albuquerque are always on those lists and whatnot. So huge shout out to you all for like holding Thank on you. that. Appreciate forward. that. Like that's Thank a, you. that's a big switch from double triple A to high A or low A and being able to hold that that there we think um, california man right it's it, it's it's a it's a lifestyle um all right maybe finish with this what are the cardinals doing and how happy are we that they're kind of blowing it <laughs> like <laughs> i i'm so glad maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm the the weird one here i'm so glad they the rockies did not sign kyle gibson and lance lynn to be the inning eaters of the rotation and the Cardinals, who I am always biased. I don't want them to succeed. There's multiple reasons why. I just don't want them to be a good franchise. And they're signing these guys. So, like, Noah, what is your very first take when you see the Cardinals signing these guys? Like, I think it's surprising because they're – it's like they're buying coming off of a season where I think they only won – I don't even know if they got 70 wins. I know they weren't that much better than the Rockies, and we won 59. So I think it's interesting because typically the buyers are the ones in the mid-80s that are looking to make the jump. But I guess, I mean, the Diamondbacks didn't – I won 86 games, and they didn't – you know, they made went to the World Series. So maybe the Cardinals were inspired by that. But I'm with you in the fact that I'm, I root for the Cardinals' downfall until Nolan opts to go to the Dodgers, and then I wish he was on the Cardinals. You know what I mean? So – uh, I mean, I'm all for their downfall. Uh, I think it's kind of it's very odd that they're signing older guys in their 30s to come in and expect them to be healthy the whole time, eat innings. And I mean, I know Lance Lynn in particular, just because he makes headlines more often, poor guy, mostly even not for the right reasons. But right. I mean, the, the media does kind of uh, craps on him pretty badly, but. I don't know. I, the, the Cardinals are buying in a situation where they need a lot of help, more than just Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson. It's it's just sad. I, I just I I don't 
I don't get it. Are they trying to, I mean, there was one thing I read that was kind of interesting where they got two guys that kind of did what their full rotation was able to do last year. But yeah, is Lance Lynn the answer for them? No. Is Cal Gibson the answer for them? No. But you still have, you have to add pieces. I, what I think is so funny, and this is something that we have not seen in the Rocky side of things is when the Rockies have brought their prospects up, the Hunter Goodmans, Ezekiel Tovars, the Nolan Jones, you don't see them flatline. Every prospect the Cardinals brought up flatlined, which is a concern thing for them in the future. And my thought process is they go, none of our younger guys are really ready to make the jump, which means our development is not correct at the lower levels, at the upper levels in the minor league system. If we get these older guys who have already shown what they're capable of doing and they can at least match or do a little bit better what they did last year, we know we can be consistent. And then when these younger guys are ready to come back or take over when they can, we can just get rid of these older guys that we got for cheap and have these younger guys ready to go. It's tough for me to say something like that, but it's the only thing that makes sense to me is that they truly believe that they need an older system because their younger system is just not here yet. And I know that Gibson and Lance Lynn were possible names that were floated around to joining the Rockies, but seeing how negative social media got towards these guys, I'm concerned that if the Rockies were to sign these guys or made a trade for them at any point in the past year, that social media would have not gone after the Rockies. And I think that also shows that the Cardinals, they really don't know what they want to do. You add all these pieces of Nolan Arenado into Paul Goldschmidt and you can't do anything. You trade away pieces. You literally DFA pieces that are hitting bombs in the CS series. Like, what are we doing? Like the, the Cardinals had to look themselves in the mirror and go, what are we? And I love it. I love every <laughs> bit so of it. Nice. And I have a coworker, Bailey. I'm sorry, bud, but your Cardinals stink. And it's <laughs> hilarious. I, I think it's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hop in here. The, the Rockies last year were young and bad, but that's yeah. because they're going to get better. The Cardinals, they're old and bad and they just got older. It doesn't make yeah. sense. No, I, and- I, I don't get it. What did they do with Jordan Walker? I think they broke that man, like sending him down the way they did and like not giving him that, that leash. And then they called him back up and he was still a hot mess. Like I remember watching one random Cardinals game and he had that terrible defensive play on the right field where he did like, it was just like, what are you doing? It's like, but like, he was like the top dog. Like he was the number one prospect or not top three prospect in the system was that next guy. I mean, I drafted him in my fantasy leagues. So like, yeah, this is gonna be yeah. great. He's the Cardinal. Like they got to figure it out and they're a dumpster fire. And I, I kind of brought them up because the Rockies and ownership, there's all this negative stuff towards it. It could be worse. Like we don't, yeah. we're not going to get into Oakland, but go look at the <laughs> yeah. White Sox. Go look at, um, the Cardinals, like there's some, there's some stuff happening there. Like there's other franchises that like, what did, what is this ownership group doing? What is, how is this managing? Like the Brewers might be on that. We talked about that earlier with Noah and I like, there's something going on there. Like, how do you not keep Craig council or how does he sneak away yeah. to the Cubs? Like with like hush hush and like, obviously, and I was telling Noah, like there's, 
there's nothing on the horizons for the Brewers. Like no. they're going to be a hot mess next year too. I, you it's, know what? Like, I, I it's think always the Padres are too. I think yeah, the Padres that, are that heading the, that way. That, that was the big one I was thinking of too. Like, and rip it, rest in peace, the owner. But like, there's you spend all that money. You need a loan. You're not mm-hmm. getting it, but that also might be. We talked about the revenue sharing with the regional cable yeah. markets. Like they lost yeah. money with that, which might be why they got the loan. But it's like you're spending all this money, you're not winning. Like the Dodgers, they have some things to worry about. Yeah. Like, how do you win 110 games but don't have a World Series minus the Mickey Mouse one in 2020? <laughs> yeah. Show for it. And you're connected to Otani. You're might get Mike Trout too, and you're having like one through five is like All Star Hall of Famer future guys. Yet, what are you doing with it? Like, I, they, they won just as many playoff games as the Rockies. I'm confused, too, with the Padres getting Mike Schilt as their manager. He was in St. Louis when everything started going crazy. Why do you think that this is the guy? I, I'm sorry, but, like, you know who was on that list? Mateo Gill, a former Fresno Grizzlies dad, Benji, was literally one of the guys that was noted as being a future manager. And you're telling me that Mike Schilt's the better answer? No, when he was in St. Louis, they canned him as quick as they could. Why would they, San Diego, think that that's the answer over there? And it's it's concerning because look where he started, look where he is. The two organizations have a lot of issues. Yeah. I'm saying there's a common common piece. It's it's like putting a bandaid on a bullet hole. And the best thing I can compare it to in like a different sport is the NFL teams that continue to bring in old veterans that are washed up to try to be their quarterback, the franchise guy. The Colts, my local team, they brought in Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Phillip Rivers. It never worked, so now they have Anthony Richardson. The Broncos, for seven years, tried and failed at quarterback. And, I mean, it got so bad. We saw Teddy Bridgewater in there, Joe Flacco, Mr. Not Elite. I mean, putting Band-Aids on bullet holes does not work, and that's what the Padres are doing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy because – these organizations that are signing and have this money to sign guys who, you know, no offense to the Rays or, I mean, you can even put the Rockies on the list, don't have the money that these organizations have to be able to sign these players. And you're telling me that you're going to go get a one Soto for the Cardinals. You have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, and you can't even make it interesting and competitive in your own division. And you're losing out to, these teams, like, no offense, but how the heck were the Chicago Cubs as good as they were last year? That was a team that got written off from the very beginning. Milwaukee ran away with it, but that's because they didn't have any challenges. You know, it, it's it's crazy to think that a storied franchise like the St. Louis Cardinals that for one point was the scariest team in baseball to now is just kind of a laughing stock. It's, it's sad, but at the same time, too, it shows that if you can trust your systems and trust your young players and keep them up there, Jordan Walker, um, that you'll see the success with what Texas, what Arizona was capable of doing. Trust that you have the pieces there. You don't draft a guy like Jordan Walker and then have him back in Memphis. That's not the plan. It's you're, it's not. And speaking, of, it. and speaking of Memphis, they have a huge issue with their field going on apparently. Apparently, the city of Memphis doesn't want to help make that stadium better. I don't know if you've ever been down there. It's in downtown Memphis. There's not a lot of room to grow that stadium, and they don't meet a lot of requirements that are needed. And they're part of their DBH family, 
and we hope that they can get it figured out. But when your minor league systems are starting to fail now, your big league team all of a sudden is failing. There's a lot of issues going on, and it's concerning, which is why being a Rockies person is not a bad thing. <laughs> like, there is something to say about vibes, and, yes. it, and that's probably not the most professional term to use. But I mean, we saw it in Rocktober. We need to talk about that another time, too. Yeah. But there's there's about the winning culture and changing the culture. And that's what, yeah, that's mummies. And that's what the Rockies are doing right now. Like they're changing this culture and you see it with these guys that are coming up. And it's kind of like I, why I want all these guys to come up at the same time. Like give me Hunter Stovall, Coco Montez, yeah. um, down the list, Shunk, all these guys together at the same time, just to see what they can do. Like when they were together uh, in Albuquerque to start the second half, they were winning <laughs> they were yeah. there was that culture because they did it together in spokane they did it in hartford yep that's mummies and so like there's this culture this vibe and it kind of trickled into the rockies dugout at the end of the season when nolan jones started doing his thing and yeah. like you see laris montero doing the struggles that he had but like yeah. him and nolan jones are like best friends even though they yeah. don't speak the same language and like they lean in on each other there is something to go with that and it's the Rockies have it. And that, it kind yeah. of, I think that's where my hope is up now, as opposed to in 2021, even at the beginning of last year, I'm starting to see that there, the vibes are there and hopefully like it can start trickling to the pitching staff, the rotation, the arm bar. And like, there's this consistency in these guys, these glue guys that can hold it together, but keep the vibes up and start changing that culture all the way through. And I think that's why Bud Black always has a job as well, too. Because if you look at all these guys that are getting jobs, no offense to like a Ron Washington, but there's not a lot of managers that can do what Bud Black does. And Bud Black, despite the records and everything, I think they understand that he is a good culture piece to have and lead these guys. And that's why he continues to get a new contract. He gets the renewed yeah. part of it because he is a good man. He knows what he's doing. He is a baseball guy. He is a a guy who's been there forever. And when you have all these young pieces, he's able to keep this group together. You don't see that in a lot of other places. That's why you see a turnover. That's why you lose guys like a Craig Council, because there's just people who don't believe in what he can bring to the table. I mean, it's 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 great. And I, and I hope Bud Black is here for a long time, because when the Rockies become successful, I don't want him to get stuck in the mix of when they were bad. He needs and deserves to get the love and respect that he's been able to bring for the Rockies at the leadership level. I, I think differently about Bud Black, but like, <laughs> I, I agree that he's a good man. He has the good vibes. He he has he has the clubhouse together. I get right. that he'll he'll go to bat for his guys. Like that's not what it. But I I can't can't trust you so much when you're putting Her hitting Harold out there for 82 games when you got <laughs> other things, but. That's beside the point. But I, I, again, to the vibe piece, I think that is yeah. something that yeah. is there. He does he does deserve some recognition, keeping it together. There's some things that I wish he would do a little bit differently, but I'm an armchair analysis when I say that, as opposed to somebody that's all up in there. Um, I don't know. It's just Rockies fan. Like, I don't know. Do you, either one of you guys go to Reddit? Uh, Here and there. The, the yeah. Rockies Reddit is, is, is terrible. And the, there's this culture like, Every post, it could be good, it could be bad. It's sell the team, sell the team. It's just like, sh shut the fuck up. Sorry for cussing. Yeah. But like, it's there's a certain point like that. That narrative, it's just terrible. And I think it's just like you get stuck in this. And 
Dick Monfort has ruined baseball for a lot of people. And I understand that. I'm not taking that away from people, but baseball is so readily available. You can go find a new team pretty easily. You can find somebody to latch on. You can find the podcast to help you get there. You can find the blogs that can help you enjoy that new team. Like I did that with a, a MLS soccer. Like I'm a huge crew guy because I just yeah. dove in and I was able to find that. And like, it's easier for me to follow a new team other than the Detroit Tigers who is in my network, but I don't have cable. So it's like, get over it. If you really are that upset, like stop and go find a new team, go root for the Cardinals and be upset with them. Go jump on the bandwagon with the Red Sox who are probably going to spend a ton of money this off season. Just dive into it. And like, there's this culture around the fan base too, that it's kind of going away. It's starting to come back because the young guys are playing and they're performing. There's, I think the, old heads me included in that are kind of sick of the sell the team narrative. Like, yeah. Okay. What's next? Like literally go do something else then. And I think all this, I mean, I don't know. I was three years old for the 2007 season. So obviously I I don't remember any of that, but like whenever I talk to my friends about our, our teams and one of them is a Red Sox fan. Like, I just described to them, like, the day we win a World Series, like, this will the reaction will be unmatched because, like, it's gonna be off the chain. Uh, yeah. All these yeah. years, I do you, the videos of the old Rangers fans like crying. Like, that's yeah. I'm gonna, that's gonna yeah. be, I don't know, it's gonna be me if it, you know, it's, it's yep. crazy because I mean, I'm from Colorado. I grew up actually hating the Rockies because my dad was working the Giants. My dad was working for teams that were against the Rockies. Right. I had all these friends that were Rockies fans, and now I'm on the dark side. But talking to my friends who were literally diehard Rockies fans who were losing hope in their team because losing season after losing season, I'm like, guys, I work in their minor league system. I am seeing firsthand what they're doing. And if you can't get excited and don't want to be on this bandwagon still, get off because there's people that will love to get on to see what will happen when Adil mm-hmm. Amador, Yankeel Fernandez, and the rest of the crew goes and wins a World Series. And guess what? When they win a World Series, I don't want you hopping back on the bandwagon. There's no room <laughs> the for you. Too. You know, it's it's so much fun. I've never, you know, I the Grizzlies have been with the Astros, Giants, and Nationals. I have never seen with any of these teams that we've had. And this is when the Astros had Correa and Bregman to win a world series. There's not, I don't feel the same way that I do with this Rockies system. Mm -hmm. There is something that is unbelievably cooking and just seeing bits and pieces of Nolan Jones of Ezekiel Tovar. And that's just the start. There's guys that are literally waiting in the wings for their opportunity to get up there that are just being built into it. Juan Mejia was a nobody. No one had him on their radar. This guy could be in the big leagues in the next year. And you're telling me that, okay, he started in Fresno. He spent a year and a half in Fresno. And now he's on the verge of being in the big leagues on the 40-man roster. And he was a nobody. That's building something that people have no idea what's about to happen. You find enough healthy starting pitchers. You That offense at course Field – Yanko Fernandez is going to hit 40 home runs at some yeah. point. Good luck trying to beat the Rockies in a couple of years. And if it's, you don't want to be on it, 
see you later. Go join yeah. St. Louis. The, you know, the pieces, the pieces are there for it to happen. And like you said, you've been the Fresno Grizzlies have been part of all those franchises and they have won world series while being part of those franchises. Yes. So yeah. I, I think the Fresno Grizzlies window to win a world series for the Rockies is like, I think we have about five more years to figure it out by 2030. Mm-hmm. We need a world series. So hundred percent. It starts somewhere. It starts at Fresno. It all starts with the vibes in the clubhouse. And I think those vibes also go to the fan base. Like, I don't know. The, the Again, Dick gets a lot of grief for good measure. But every single player I talk to, they appreciate what the Rockies did. Like the Rockies were the very first organ- one of the very first organizations to actually pay for housing without yeah. being forced to, without being asked to. Like they yep. did that. And they, they put them in good places, not just cheap yep. places. And so they're they are taking care of those those guys and again that culture changing it you don't see it because you have a hundred lost season but it's there and again you can dive into any team you want because milb games are officially on mlb network like mlb tv if you have a subscription you can watch any minor league team for free yeah you have to do is change your favorite team to it so (laughs) either dive in and find the hope or stop talking or go find a new team. And that's probably my my soapbox rant being done. Like I have a few friends who are Rockies fans. Yeah. They're like, no, nah, I, I don't know how you do it. I was like, well, I, I found a way. Like, this yeah. is my this is my venture, these prospects and getting to know these guys. And of course, I'm biased because you know, you're talking to these guys and their livelihoods on the line and they're yeah. good dudes, and there's yeah. that. But there's also there's hope. Like, what is fandom if without hope? Like, I don't understand exactly. the whole negative Nancy piece, like going with it like every year lions fans are hoping <laughs> and they're gonna have fun with it and then they're yeah. gonna be miserable when they're six and five or five and six or whatever and then they're focusing on the draft and that's just been the cycle and that's kind of why it's been fun being up in lions country because that's been the vibe like, i love yeah, dan terrible campbell. i will run through a wall for dan campbell uh, I mean, that, man, will, right? that man's the greatest oh i would love to play for dan campbell we need some, uh-huh. we need some dan campbell on the fresno grizzlies uh big board in between indians or something dan campbell <laughs> oh I, I mean hey dan campbell if you're ever listening man you're, you're yeah, a was- real og come join blake street banter talk about what it means to run an organization yeah, talk about cool. when it comes to that stuff no i mean seriously though if if people who want to leave the Rockies or people who want to join the Rockies bandwagon, come check out the Fresno Grizzlies. Come listen to me call the game. Come watch what we're capable of doing. Come to Chick Chansey Park, watch a game in person. See what it's all about. The vibes are immaculate in Fresno. We want you guys to see the love that we have for this organization, for our team. And we want to make sure that if you want to come join us, we're here to help and welcome you guys. If you want to leave, leave. If you want to stay, Come on, we'll keep you here for some reason. Come join us. You know, it's we're, we want more Fresno Grizzlies love. Make sure that's your favorite team. Follow us, FresnoGrizzlies.com. You know, it's it's not hard to do that. We post really great stuff. Our our marketing team is immaculate, so we can't go wrong with it. It's pretty solid. And I think you guys are having a sale right now on merch. Yeah, and I guess I'm going to be used for a graphic, so watch for the graphic of the girlfriend and I. <laughs> There we go. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Steven, thank you for hanging out. I was going to ask you to plug, but you just did your plugging. So we'll end with that. <laughs> Noah, where can people find you? Uh, just on Instagram and Twitter, both uh, at Noah Spyrick right on the screen. 
and look for some blogs coming from Noah as times slow down and all that kind of stuff. He's a fantastic writer. I hope that sure. continues to do things for us there. And just follow Blake Street Banter. We are doing some a lot of off-season, off-season blogs. We're doing our best to keep up with the podcast. Working on some banner sessions to happen. So getting to know some of these players have a few things lined up for the off-season. So keep checking us out. BlakeStreetBanter.com. And as always, go Rocks! Minor League Affiliates! Woo! I need the Indian. Thank you for watching and listening. Please check out our link tree for more content.